Thank you so much for joining us at Remnant Church Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more or support this ministry, please go to remnantchurch.church. And now, the message from Pastor Caleb. I honor you today. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Well, today is Memorial Day. Or tomorrow is. It's Memorial Day weekend. Turn the lights up. Um, I took a picture of something. I want to read this to you now. I don't want you to get mistaken. Today is all about Jesus. But also, at the same time, I want to honor those who have given their lives in service to our country. Now, if one's, if, if one you can get fired up about this and you can't get fired up about what we were just doing, uh, you got something wrong with you. But the Bible says, give honor to, who's, to whom honor is due. And we're here today free to worship the Lord because of people who have given their lives on foreign battlefields to fight for our freedoms. My great uncle, I never met him. I don't, rem- I don't know how I got this, but it's my grandmother's brother. He wrote a letter five weeks before he was to die in Vietnam on his birthday. And uh, he was writing five weeks before then. He wrote this to his family. And I've taken this. I think I got this about two and a half years, three years ago, probably about three years ago. And I have taken this. I've never been on a foreign battlefield. I've never served our country. But I serve God. Don't know a whole lot about battles abroad. But I know about spiritual battles. So I've taken, I, I, I have taken what he is what he wrote and I've applied it to my life but when it comes to serving in the kingdom but this this is what he wrote he said I five weeks before his death I don't try to build myself up as a hero because God knows I'm the most frightened man in Vietnam We have no heroes in our outfit. It's just one large team with each man carrying out his mission, thus forming an indispensable power. Five weeks later, there's a write-up. He was in the, uh, what do you call that? The Georgia Military School. He went through that. And they done a write-up on him several years ago. But five weeks later, he would die on his birthday uh, helping his commanding officer. And um, it's people like that. Now, he called himself no hero, but I would say today that he is a hero. And I'd say that anybody that's willing to strap up, lace up boots and serve our country, not knowing at any time they could be called in 
to put their life on the line and understanding that and accept that charge and that duty, they are heroes today. And they ought to be honored today. And Memorial Day is about those, remembering those who have given everything their life. And we want to memorialize them, never forget them, and honor them today. Also, in honoring them, I want us to pray for the children whose daddy died. Because we're, we have conflicts going on right now. It's hard to, it's, it's, it's easy to forget because we just get carried on, carried away with what's going on right here. There's things all over the world going on. And there are our American soldiers right now who are still right now in conflict. And um, there are children who have lost their fathers and their mothers, their parents who have lost their sons and their daughters. And I want us today, because this weekend somehow, I don't know, but lends to grilling and going to the beach. But it's so much more than that. And um, I want to remember the families that have been affected by tragic loss of, of a soldier giving their life for our freedoms. So could we pray for those families right now? Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I know no better way to honor these fallen soldiers than to remember their families and to lift them up today. For those who have sacrificed their all, laying down their life for me, a stranger. Father, I pray that you would comfort them, their families, strengthen them, and may God their fight and death not be in vain. May we take every opportunity to exercise the freedoms that they have protected. God, to go to church because we have the option and the ability to go to worship you, God, because we have those rights where in China, Lord, if the church gets too big, they just go in and wipe it down, knock it over, but they still build and they go to church. And God, here we are. We're not taking advantage of our, our opportunities as free Americans. Father, I thank you for the lives that have been laid down. Touch the families. Touch the children who are missing their daddy today, missing their mom today. And Father, we give you praise and we give you glory and we give you honor. And God, I did, had no choice. I had no choice in the matter. But I'm thankful that God, not above being a born-again believer, but I am thankful. And on my list of things to be thankful for, I am thankful that I was born in this country. Father, I give you praise for it all in Jesus' name. And everybody said, can you give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning? You may be seated today. Thank you, musicians. Thank you, singers. I've got a word today if you're interested. A word from God that I believe if you'll allow it, it'll speak to you. If you don't, it won't. Luke chapter 7. I have been preaching a series entitled Table Manners, Lessons from Jesus. 
And this week will be my final message in this series. And I pray that you would hear what the Lord is saying. I don't have a complex message today. That's very simple. We're going to take away, we're going to take God's word and we're going to take it for what it is. In Luke chapter 7, there's three miracles, uh, great miracles. The first miracle is Jesus um, meeting this centurion, and the centurion uh, tells Jesus, he says, Jesus, my servant is sick, um, but you don't have to go see my servant. I believe if you would just speak the word, my servant would be made whole. Jesus said, I have not seen such faith as this man's faith. When the servant or when the centurion gets back to the servant to his house and sees the servant, when he gets there, he finds his servant well, whole, not sick. That was a miracle. The miracle of God's spoken word. And, and then a little later on in chapter 7, the second miracle would be the miracle of God raising the widow of Nain, she lived in Nain, the widow of Nain's son from the dead. In fact, Jesus walks up on a funeral and he lays his hands on the stretcher that they're carrying uh, this dead man on. He has compassion on the woman, Jesus said, because she'd already lost her uh, husband. And if she was to lose her son, she had no way of making money. And Jesus had compassion on her. You find this in Luke chapter 7, verse 11. He has compassion on her, and he touches the stretcher, and this man raises up from the dead. I mean, just, just like that. Ruins the funeral, y'all. I mean, completely. Those are amazing miracles. But the greatest miracle is the last miracle. Jesus has been invited to a table. Here, here we are again at a table. Jesus has been invited to a table. A table of a Pharisee in the house of a Pharisee by the name of Simon. And Simon invites Jesus and Jesus takes him up on the offer. You can find it in Luke chapter 7. We'll read it together. Verse 36. Then one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to eat with him. And he entered into the Pharisee's house and he reclined at the table. And a woman in the town who was a sinner found out that Jesus was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house. She brought an alabaster jar of perfume and stood behind him at his feet, weeping. And she began to wash his feet. Now, y'all better listen now. Began to wash his feet with her tears. She wiped his feet with her hair. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with perfume. Now, if I was, I guess, to title this message, I'd, I thought about titling it this. I am not. But I could title it The Unexpected Guest or The Uninvited Guest. Because, see, this woman wasn't invited. 
This woman was a sinner. You say, well, how did the woman even know that Jesus was there? Well, I told you a couple weeks ago that the elite, and when their homes were set up where they would have dinner, it was overlooking the street. It was open so that other people could see what was going on as a very self-righteous thing to, for the poor to see the elite eating. That's really what it was about. Here Jesus is with this Pharisee. This Pharisee may be curious just to want to know who Jesus, more about Jesus. Some would never invite him to their house. Some would. He knows who's going to be there. He's invited Jesus. There are Pharisees there. There's some servants there. And here comes this woman to the table. An unexpected guest. And I thought about this, and this is just a little thought. Uh, I asked the Lord a couple weeks ago, in ignorance, by the way. I said, God, I wish you'd just let me know what was going on. Like, I'd like to know the next, it'd be easier if I knew what was going on, say, the next five years. And then God, I feel like, spoke to me and said, you don't want to know. You don't want to know what's going on five years from now because you could not handle it. See, everything in life, I offer me now, some of y'all are a lot more spiritual than I am. And you know what God's doing everywhere and every way and every way. But I don't. And most of the things that happen in my life are unexpected. I can plan, and even when I plan, y'all, my plans don't always go as expected. Anybody know what I'm talking about? There are more things unexpected in my life than expected. But what if I told you God wanted to use the unexpected in your life to grow you and to bless you? If you knew everything that was going to happen, you would not have to trust on God. I'm telling you right now, the unexpected things in our lives are blessings. Are blessings. And this woman comes in unexpected. Wait a minute. Not to Jesus. Jesus knew she was coming. But it was unexpected to the Pharisee. The Bible says that she came down, made her way to the feet of Jesus, interrupted the dinner. But it didn't bother Jesus. But it did bother this religious man. You know, I see a lot of times where Jesus is interrupted by people. Remember, Jesus was in the house teaching, and here comes a paralyzed man as Jesus is teaching, and he's being dropped down, lowered down in the house. And Jesus didn't get upset, did he? Jesus didn't say, what are y'all doing? I've worked on this message all week long. No, because see, Jesus was for people. He was for people. 
He was made for people just like that. Like the man who was dropped down through the roof. And like this sinful woman who was a prostitute, a sinner. Someone that the religious people looked down on. I want you to see what it says. It says he came into the table, into the Pharisee's house, this unexpected, uninvited guest. And the Bible says she broke this jar of perfume and poured it out on his feet. She began to cry tears. And the tears fell on the feet of Jesus. And then she took her hair and she dried the feet of Jesus' feet, or dried Jesus' feet with her hair. And when the Pharisee who saw this, verse 39, when the Pharisee saw what was going on, he said this to himself. If he were a prophet, he would, are you reading this with me? He would know what kind of woman this is who is touching him. She is a sinner. But she did not touch Jesus first. Jesus touched her. See, I believe that, and I can't prove this, but I just know Jesus and how he works. I don't believe this woman would give this worship if she first didn't know him as her Savior. I think something that we see publicly first took place Privately. Well, I'm going to preach now. This is shifting a little bit from what it was this morning. What I'm getting at right now is this. You cannot come in here and worship God unless you spent some private time with God, knowing God. You won't know how to worship God. He'll be a stranger to you. See, what happened was Jesus had already touched this woman. She'd seen him a miracle. He had people that followed him everywhere he went. Maybe she followed him from the back because nobody wanted her around, but she would listen and something touched her heart. And she began to, she said, she began to believe that this isn't just some teacher. This isn't just some prophet. Truly, this must be the son of God. She knew Jesus and Jesus knew her. Oh, unexpected and uninvited by the religious, but Jesus gave her an invitation before he invited the Pharisee. He said, the righteous don't need a savior, but the sick need a doctor. And I'm so glad that Jesus doesn't turn sinners away. But in fact, he can do more for a sinner than he can do someone who thinks they've got it all together. Here he, here he is in the Pharisee. This religious leader is in the presence of Jesus. But look what Jesus says. Jesus replied to Simon. Wait a minute. Now that's interesting to me. Your version or some other versions say, and Jesus answered Simon. But Simon didn't ask a question. And that gets, I told y'all that last week, that I love it when Jesus answers people before you know you need an answer. The Pharisee said, if he knew who this woman was, and then Jesus, knowing what the Pharisee was thinking, 
answered Simon, answered the Pharisee and said, I have something to say to you. And then he said, say it, teacher. Kind of like how y'all do. Say it, preacher. Preach it, pastor. Say it, teacher. Here's the lesson. Are you ready? I mean, I could preach to you, but what if we let Jesus teach and preach to us? Here it is. A creditor had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, and the other owed 50. Since they could not pay it back, he graciously forgave. Are you listening? He graciously forgave them both. So which of them will love him more? He asked the Pharisee this. And Simon answered, I suppose the one who forgave more. The one he had forgave more. And Jesus said, you've judged correctly. And then he turned to the woman and he said to Simon, do you see this woman? Do you see her? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet. But she has washed my feet with her tears. I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. She washed her feet and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss. See, this was all ordinary custom to do. But she hasn't stopped kissing my feet since I've came in. I love this. You didn't anoint my head with oil, but she kneeled down, crawled in, and anointed my feet with perfume. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. And that's why she loves like she does. But the one who was forgiven little loves little. I'm reminded. Another woman, a similar situation. Jesus is almost, is getting ready to be handed over to the high priest and his thugs to be crucified. Now, they're in a house, similar situation. And this woman, Mary, comes to Jesus, and she does the same thing. She, the disciples are there. Uh, 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 Lazarus is there. It's a great party. We're going to have a good time. Uh, and this lady comes in, doesn't belong there, out of order, out of line, in the way, it seemed. And she comes to him, and she does the same thing. She breaks the neck of the jar of perfume, falls down on her knees, and pours it out on the feet of Jesus. And then there's this guy named Judas, remember him? Judas says, in, in, this, in this part case I'm talking about, Judas says, oh my gosh, why'd you pour that on his feet? What a waste. What a waste. And Jesus looked at Judas 
son of indignation. You, son of perdition, you are a waste. You've been with me, you've spent time with me, but you never recognized me. Okay, I'll preach. Y'all want me to preach? Y'all want me to preach? I I don't have nobody. I'm I'm here to hurt feelings and all that today. I'm telling you right now. uh, I'm telling you right now. We know all about church. We get up there and we sing about church. We sing about Jesus. We love God. We know every, how it should look and how we should act and how we should talk. And we've got, we have got a, a uh, degree in religion. We've been around Jesus so much that he's familiar. And we don't honor him. And if you don't honor him here, you sure ain't going to honor him out there. When you're supposed to be on your best behavior in here, you sure ain't honoring him here. And if you ain't honoring, honoring him in here, you won't honor him out there. You've been walking with Jesus. You've been talking with Jesus. I'll read you the scriptures. I'll read you the scriptures. And this is the words of life, y'all. This is the words of life. But you know what? It's just really it becomes fable. Because if we believed it, we would be living it. If we believed it, when we sung about, I know this is hard, ain't it? Never going to grow a church like this. No, I'm never going to have tons of people like this. But I ain't here, I'm going to build the church. Now, I got into this thing, and I may have had the wrong motives for a little bit, and every now and then, where I wanted, I cared about how many people were here. And I still do, because I believe souls, people represent souls, and numbers represent souls, and all that. But I also believe, I also want to build the church. When you stand before God, I want to be driven home a word in truth, not some candy-coated, candied-appled stuff that makes you feel good. No, I'm not into that. Friend, I want you, listen, if you walk with Jesus and you talk with Jesus and you've got to give God a radical worship and a radical praise, I'm going to get to it now. This lady did not care who was around. She didn't care what was going on. She didn't care if she was invited or uninvited. She didn't care that she didn't belong there. She knew Jesus was her Savior and she was ready to give God radical praise, radical worship. And she did not care who was around. She did not care what people thought about her. I hear people say all the time, they say, Pastor, uh, uh, what kind of church is remnant? And they say, we assume it must be a, one of those Pentecostal churches because y'all are loud. <laughs> Forget all that. Forget Pentecostal. Forget Baptist. I hear people saying, I hear people saying, they, they still say this. I don't even know what to think about this. But I, they, they come here and they say, you know, I was raised Baptist. As a warning. You know, I was Catholic. You know, Pastor, I, I come out of the Methodist church. You know, Pastor, uh, I don't know if they're warning me or I don't know what it is. But I'm telling you, forget all of it. Forget Pentecostal, forget Methodist, forget Baptist, forget all of it. Remember Jesus, fall in love with Jesus, fall in love with what he's done for you. And listen, hey, worshiping God radically is not a Pentecostal thing, it's a believer thing. It's a believing thing. Why was she crazy in her worship? And she was. Why was she radical in her worship? And she was. 
because she had been forgiven much. Let me ask you, has God forgiven you of much? Has God, are you a forgiven people in here? Are you? Are you, have you been forgiven? Well, then you ought to worship him. If you, if you ever look on somebody and you look down at them because they come to this altar or they're worshiping God, you fall, you fall right in line with Judas. You are, you fall right in line with, you want to be one of the disciples? Well, you get to be Judas. Because that's, that, that, that is who said, that's a waste. She's wasting. Let me tell you something. Worshiping is never a waste. Praising John, John, praising God ain't never a waste. Living for Jesus and being obedient to him is never a waste. Stepping out in radical faith is never a waste. If I'd have stopped when people told me to stop, if I'd have been quiet when people told me to be quiet, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be the pastor of this church. You wouldn't be hearing me talking. But I stepped out because all I've got is one person to please, and that is Jesus. Listen, if worship don't go on in this building, if this isn't a place of worship, it's a waste. You ought, to, you ought to forget about building another sanctuary. Tear this one down because it's a waste. If we're not worshiping the Lord, it's a waste. Rip up the green carpet, tear down the stage, uh, put some gas pumps out there, make it a dollar general. It'd be more profitable. It'd be better off. But this is not a place of performance. This is not a place where the religious get together and have a cut, some kind of religious country club. No, this is a hospital for the hurting. Listen, and if it's ever anything other than that, if there's a sound that comes out of here that's not worship, friend, it's a waste. But worshiping God is never a waste. Maybe your worship's dry today. Maybe your worship's dry today. I've been there. Can I tell you how to freshen your worship? Can I tell you how to get your worship back and become more passionate about Jesus? Remember how he saved you and what he saved you from. And if there's anybody in here who says, well, he didn't save me from a whole lot. You're not even saved. Because he saved everyone. I didn't, I, I'm not a bad off as so and so. No, but you, well, you're bad enough to go to hell. Rob, Rob, just bad enough to go to hell. Because you know why? Because God is perfect. And whether you ever sin, ever commit a sin, Mr. Grover, maybe you lived your whole life and never committed a sin. Guess what you still are? A sinner. Because you was born into sin. <laughs> so God didn't just forgive you of your sin. He changed who you are. Okay. And then look what Jesus says to this woman. He publicly declares in front of the Pharisees and everybody who's listening now. Don't you know there's a crowd listening now? No, everybody in the street has stopped because it's open to everyone. They could see, they could hear. And everybody's thinking, oh boy, what's he going to do? And with everybody listening, Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. 
and the losers at the table. I mean, and those who are at the table. Sorry. Begin to say among themselves, who is this man? Let me rephrase. Who does he think he is? That's what the whole deal. Who does he think he is that he can forgive sins? Now, I believe this is just a belief and a thought. It doesn't make me a heretic or anything like that. You can say I'm wrong. It doesn't matter. Whatever. But I believe that this woman had already had her sins forgiven. I don't, I can't find, I, I don't understand how she could come to this place of worship and her sins not already been forgiven. That she'd already heard Jesus and already believed in Jesus or she would have never went in that, that Pharisee's house. No way. Something was driving her that she'd never had before. Driving her, pushing her like she'd never been pushed before. So why did Jesus say your sins are forgiven? To announce and declare among all the religious folks and everybody in that crowd that put her down but slept with her. Y'all ain't ready for that, were you? But she was a prostitute. Just like the woman who was caught in the act of adultery. Where was the man? Wasn't draw, he wasn't dragged at the feet of Jesus, just the woman. And the ones who would look down at her and think, well, she is trash. She's sorry. She ain't no good. I can't believe she went in there touching Jesus. And Jesus publicly declared in the middle of all that mess. He didn't tell the Pharisee this. He couldn't handle it. He didn't want it. He, was, he, couldn't, he, couldn't, get, he, couldn't, get, he couldn't get any Jesus because he was full of himself. Jesus declared where everybody could hear it. This woman, her sins are forgiven. You know what? When you place your faith in Jesus, Jesus publicly declares in the face of the devil, openly triumphing over them. He declares you. Man, if you could open up to the spiritual realm, you'd, you'd really shut it back. But if you could see what was going on, not that I have, but there is a war going on between the powers of darkness and the power and the kingdom of God. I mean, a battle going on. But when we place for your soul, by the way, he ain't interested in wars and governments and presidents. He wants your soul. Satan hates you. And he knows he's damned and he wants you to spend forever in total, eternal damnation with him. And there is a fight and a battle for your soul. But the moment you place your faith in Jesus, Jesus declares in the heavenly realm. This too much for y'all. Shouts in the, well, okay then. Shouts in the heavenly realm. This one belongs to me.
That's my son. That's my daughter. That's my child. I died for them. If you got an issue, take it up with me. I said it last week and I'll say it, I'll say it again this week because it was good. Whatever you're facing today, step aside. Let it face Jesus. Whatever, whatever accusations, whatever accusations, am I on? Whatever accusations are being flung at you, step aside. Let Jesus handle it. Whatever Satan's whispering to you, just move out of the way and let him try to whisper. Let him, let him try to whisper that to Jesus. Jesus won't have nothing to do with it, friend. He ain't got, he don't want to hear it. He's not going to hear it. He's already covered your sins, erased your past, and gave you a future with him forever. And because of this, friend, we ought to be at the feet of Jesus, worshiping him radically, worshiping him lavishly. Now, I don't know this to be a fact, but it was thought that this perfume that this woman had around her neck, she was saving. It would be a dowry. That's something that the women saved. It was financial. It wasn't just perfume. It, it, there was a, an expense tied to this. It represented currency. It could be traded. It was valuable. This was to help her when she got married. Now, think about this. I guarantee, now this is going to be really good, I think. I don't think this woman, when she was a little girl, she ever said, I can't wait to grow up and be a prostitute. No, no, she didn't. You know what she wanted to be? A princess. Just like you men wanted to be a lumberjack. That was me, okay, just me, okay. <laughs> then I realized that's a lot of work. I was like, no, I want to be a lumberjack. <laughs> Never did the drug addict as a little girl or a little boy say, I want, I want to be a drug addict. I want to spend all that I have, everything that I've got, I want to waste it away on a feeling. No man, as a boy, said, I'm going to be unfaithful. I can't wait to be unfaithful to my wife. No, and this woman carried around this perfume hoping one day to have a family. She had saved up for this to be an honest woman. A woman married to one man to raise her children as a family. And she's saving this for her whole life, y'all. But everything drifted away from that. I pray over my children 
every night. This is how I pray. You'll be my child, okay, today? <laughs> TJ, meet daddy. I'm joking. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'll lay my hands on them. And men, you should. I lay my hands on my children. And I'll do it. I'm going to do it until they're out of my house. And I may go to their house and do it. <laughs> and I say, for Abriel, because she's already saved. But, but I still say, I pray that Abriel would serve and live God all of her life and never know the ravages of sin. Amen. Then I take Judah and I lay my hands on Judah and I say, Lord, save him at an early age. And I pray, not only do you save him, God, but that he would never know the destruction of sin. You say, that's a selfish prayer. Well, I'm, I'm his, their parent. And they don't have to do those things. They don't have to drift away from God and live it. They don't. They may. But they, if they do it, it won't be because I didn't pray. And I didn't pray. And this woman... She went into the ravages. She knows the ravages of sin. She made a mistake. She committed sin. And then it was a spiral. And now, all her dreams look like this is gone. It's done. But she still had that perfume around her neck. And now one would think, okay, I'm saved now. Here's my perfume. Here's my dowry. Now I can find me a man. I've been cleansed. I'm, I'm washed. I'm free. I'm a brand new person. Man, all the things I've done, it's gone. It's gone. Now I, I know someone. Uh, I can have a family now of my own. And that's what this perfume represented. All her dreams. All her plans. All the good things that she wanted. And thought was, it was over. Surely now she's going to hold on to it. But what did she do? She broke it and poured it all on the feet of Jesus. Is that speaking to anybody? When God saves you, don't hold on to anything. Pour it all out on your dreams. You think I dreamed to do this? Psych your mind. Psych your mind. Psych. I didn't do, I didn't, no. I didn't dream to be this. I didn't dream to be a preacher. But you know what I've done? I poured all my dreams on Jesus. I gave him my dreams and my plans. You know what I wanted to be? Not a lumberjack. <laughs> I thought I could. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not what I used to be. But I thought, I think I could sing. I think I eventually, some of y'all think y'all can sing too, but you can't. <laughs> but now I thought, 
I can, you can sing, you just can't sing good. Now, I thought I could be a, a, a singer. Worship, I could do, I didn't ever want to do, I never wanted to do secular music. I thought, I felt comfortable. I could do this if I just wrote a song. If I just got the right doors open for me. I could do this music thing. But that wasn't God's plan. And when I gave him my dreams and my plans, God done what he wanted to do and lined me up with what his will was for my life. Now, here I am, a preacher, <laughs> pastor, whatever. But I know I'm in the will of God. And I encourage you today to give him all of your plans and your dreams. Anything that you're holding back today, God cannot bless. If there's any unforgiveness in your life that you're holding on to because they've done you wrong, God wants to bless you. But He can't until you let it go. But it wasn't in my plans. The where I'm at today doesn't line up with where I want to be. Anybody, would anybody be honest and say, where I'm at is not where I wanted to be? Anybody? I don't like this. I challenge you and I encourage you to take what you have left and give it all to God. See, worship, listen, and I'm closing. Worship is not just lifting your hands or just coming to an altar or singing what they sing and the words on the screens. It's a life of sacrifice. It's you actually laying down everything that you think you've ever worked for. Everything that you think you ever will have or you do have and laying it at the feet of Jesus. Not your will, but His will. I want you to stand with me all across the building. I'm done earlier than I'm ever done. So you ought to be thankful for that. But I want to ask you this. Man, God's been dealing with me, y'all. I don't even know how to handle really what God's been doing in my life. Like the boldness and the desire and the, it's really an, an awakening for me. But unfortunately, that's going to affect you and this church. But I am not, I do not want to step into eternity, and I will one day, but I do not want to step into eternity and raised and have raised up 
cultural Christians. I don't want you to come to this church because it's entertaining. Or because, as I've heard some people say, you just never know, you just never know what you're going to say. You can play Malachi. Help soften the mood. I'm here to raise up warriors for God. Builders. And battlers. And that's the way of the kingdom, Billy. You wrote, you put that on your Facebook the other day. I seen it from a, an excerpt from a, me, a message I preached a couple weeks ago. That this life, serving God, is about battling and building. And if at any time you're not battling and you're not building, then you're not working. If you're not in battle spiritually, am I speaking foreign to you right now? Lewis, there is... There is a battle that rages in my mind, in my spirit. I don't know if it's just me, but for me to take I really have to take captive every thought. I'm not talking about thinking crazy. I'm just talking about like how doubt will come in and just sweep in my mind and like feel like it's just that I'm nothing and nothing that we're doing is working. I mean, it's just out of nowhere. I mean, it's real. And I know it's, I know it's Satan. I know it is. That's why I can't just act like, well, let's just love Jesus and let's just be happy when I know it's more than just being happy. That it's a battle. It's a warfare. That it's constantly battling and building and building sometimes just solely on faith. Just stepping out on what you can't see. Trusting what you were trusted before. That's how I know. That's how I know because it's a personal thing. That's how I know that I can't, I don't want to just settle um, for you just to be soothed to believe that everything's going to be good and great and okay. It will be for those who aren't a threat to the enemy. But if you're a threat to the kingdom of darkness, if you're raising your family to trust God, to love the Lord, if you honor marriage, and you you honor God's Word, and if you honor living according to God, you're going to battle. You are. It's not easy. Nothing about this life is easy. Nothing about this life is easy. It's a fight. It's a battle. You gotta wake up. And if you're not battling, you might be defeated. You're no threat. And it ought to bother you. You ought to wake up. 
see what's going on, really. That your soul is at stake. And, and Robert, that little boy you got, he needs a man who loves God in his life. You got a child, you got a son, you got a daughter, you better raise them to the best you can, to the best of your ability. If you got a wife, if you got a wife, man, you better love her. And you better be the high priest of your home. You don't, you don't wait for somebody else to do it or for me to do it or for me to teach your family about Jesus. I won't, I'm not around you enough. I'm not around you enough. Friend, you gotta get sold out to God today and you gotta, you gotta do it now. You ain't got time to wait. This world ain't getting better. There is no, there's no Bible-based thought that this world is going to get better. Bonnie, it ain't. You know that, right? It's not going, it cannot get better because it's built on a, on a ruined foundation. But we can get brighter and we can get more devoted and we can get more dedicated and we can get more sold out to God and we can believe God at His Word. We can trust Him. Brittany, we can trust Him. No matter what's going on around us, we can stand up. We can fight. We can, be, we can embrace the fact that we're different and not try to fit in. We can, we can, we can, we can, we can do this. We can say in Jesus' name, I'm not, that's, I'm not watching that. That's not going on in my house. We can be odd to the world and be loved by God. We can not be embraced by this culture, but be embraced by God and, and be okay with that and want that. And that's what I want. I'm not, I'm not trying to be rude. I'm not trying to be mean. And I'm not trying to paint a bad picture. <laughs> but I am trying to be real with you. Some of you said that, Pastor, that's why we like you, because you're real. Well, I'm being real right now. I'm being real as I know how right now. This is building and battling. This is warring. This is fighting. And if you've grown lukewarm, and I, I can't... I, I, I don't know. You do this. I do this every week, and I, and I, and I think, well, okay, they got it. You don't need to say it no more. You don't need to. But then I get up here and I preach, and I feel the Lord leading me and convicting me. And I want to tell you this, and I want to give you this opportunity. If you're lukewarm, man or woman, if you're just going through the motions, and it may be just a couple of days, come and repent. Cry out to God. Ask Him to forgive you. Pour everything out on the feet of Jesus. And He'll fill you up, man. He will. He'll fill you up. And you walk out of here today with peace and purpose in your life. Last thing I want. And I want, to, I want to preach every day, every week. Like it might be my last time, my last opportunity, because I know I've been around enough to know that you don't know. 
So I'm asking you right now, if you need to talk to the Lord today, the altars are open. Would you come? I'm already here. I'm, I'm at the altar. I done told all my business. I just want to be pleasing to God. If you're leading something, if you're leading a ministry in this church and you ain't right with God, you better get right. If you heard my word today that God inspired and gave to me today and you ain't right, you better get right. If you ain't been giving God devotion and prayer, I am gonna be if you if you're not been spending every day, time every day with God, you need to repent. You do. Because God died for you. He gave his life for you. At least you could give him some time. If you haven't been reading your word, repent. We talk about in CR when you're wrong, you promptly admit it. You know what happens to a lot of people? Don't check me out. I'm still preaching now. You know what happens to a lot of people when you don't properly admit when you're wrong? You justify it. And you're not really wrong. You're not really as bad, then you're not really as bad as so and so. But the only person I'm comparing myself to is God, His standard. And it drives me to my knees. be like you Jesus I want to be more like you God is anybody anybody is that your prayer that's your prayer lift your hands all across this building Father I want to be I want I want this church to be like you I want to be like you God in all my ways my attitude God I want to love people I want to love the people that's hurt me I want to love the people that's lied about me and lied to me. I want to love people like you love them and I want to love you, God, beyond what I even think I can love. Beyond what I can even think I can love, God, I want to love you. Some of you think this is strange. But this ain't strange. It is, but it shouldn't be. Father, right now, forgive me. Forgive me, God, of lukewarmness and conformity and complacency in my life. Forgive me, God, for every time I've chosen my flesh instead of choosing you. Every time I've loved me more than I've loved you, because that's what sin is, God. I've loved what I feel more than I love you. 
But God, you never put me to shame and you've never, I've never heard you tell me, all right, this is the last time. And I thank you for that, God. Oh God, I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Jesus. Lord, I receive your grace. I receive your goodness. I receive your mercy. I receive your love. Somebody right now just needs to receive his goodness today. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. For those that are watching online right now, just wherever you're at, just thank you right now. God, I receive your goodness and your love and your grace and your mercy. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Worship team, I want you to come. Musicians, we're going to close out with a song of worship. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. God, I bless you. Do you feel the presence of God here right now? I want you to sing. You, uh, the goodness of God. Send the. I think it's in the, I don't know what key it's in. And I want us to close out today with thanks. Pour it all out now. If there's anything left, you got so, we got a, we got a song right here. To, we're going to sing it a couple times, maybe twice. And I want us to pour out all our worship onto Him. Can we do that? Let's do it. Sing the chorus. All my life you've been faithful. Come on, sing it, guys. We hope that you were encouraged by today's message. If you were, please feel free to share on social media, subscribe, or leave us a review. We can't wait for you to join us here again.